Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Nomadic Diaries podcast. My name is Doreen Cumberford. The purpose and vision for this podcast is to connect expats, repats, and uh, everyone who wants to launch and recover from the international lifestyle to a conversation where we reveal the secrets and the positive side of expatriation throughout the years. It's my pleasure to introduce you today to my partner in this endeavor, and this is Sharon Fields. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. We're so glad to have you here with us. Our guest today is Linda Mueller. Linda's a certified life coach and mentor who empowers international women to adapt and thrive throughout all stages of their journey, from preparing for an international relocation to adaptation abroad to repatriation. She uses proven strategies and tools to help expat partners create a location-independent life that they love. Linda's a former corporate climber with 10 years of accompanying partner experience in Asia, the Middle East, and Europe. She fully understands the opportunities and challenges that partners encounter and is passionate about supporting those on a similar journey. Linda and her family currently reside in Chicago, U.S. of A. Hi, Linda. Welcome. Hi, it's nice to be here with both of you. Great to have you. What countries and how many years did you spend in each one? Well, I we made 13 international, or no, I'm saying that backwards, seven international relocations over 13 years. So we were bouncing in and out of the United States over that period of time. So we were in Tokyo twice. The first time was three and a half years. The second time was three years. And then we were also in Abu Dhabi for just under two years. And we also lived in London for exactly two years. Yeah, it's a it's a little tricky. I, I, I rounding up and down with some of those countries. So it was in and out of the US over our course of 13 years. Yeah. So by those numbers, I figure that we have today on the call uh, 70 and a half years of international experience. <laughs> That's amazing. And I'm not even including the time I spent st living overseas as a student. And then I spent quite a bit of time traveling overseas when I was on that corporate climbing phase of life. And we're all still young. so Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Some of us started really young, right? <laughs> Let's go to some of the um, questions of the subjects of today's talk. Is um, what has being a repeated repatriated person or a repat, we call them, been like for you and what have you learned? Now, some of our listeners may not be uh, familiar with a lot of the repatriation experience. They may have already been overseas and many of them may be preparing for repatriation. So what can you tell us about what that has been like for you over this um, 10 and a half years in three different countries plus the U.S.? It's been an evolution, really. I studied abroad three times when I was in um, high school, college, and then in graduate school in my late 20s. And I used to discount those experiences because I felt like, well, there are programs. I was leaving on a fixed date and I was uh, going to be over there for a certain amount of time and then come back. So 
I just thought it's just a program. It's not that big of a deal. And at that point in my life, I also, most of the people that I knew had only gone overseas for a little bit and they had come back and that was their only international experience. So that kind of set my mindset of like, well, every time I went overseas, it could have been the only time in the last time. So by the time I hit that third study abroad experience, I was sort of the expert because I'd lived overseas twice. So my friends looked to me with questions and I kind of realized something was different. I had lined up this corporate job that was going to be my international experience. And I realized that this was just, it wasn't an end point. It was just another stop in my international journey. And at that point, I decided like, I'm a global soul. I'm going to spend my life traveling. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew I was going to do it. And that actually made all of the future repatriations much easier because I struggled. Don't get me wrong. Coming, I never once wanted to repatriate. That's like the common theme throughout all of my, my moves back to the U.S. But I developed confidence that I could figure it out and that I could live a happy, fulfilling life. Just like I felt like I thrived when I lived overseas, I knew I could do it back in the United States as well, which is my passport country. Excellent. So um, what I hear you saying is that repetition builds the muscles that we need for our repatriation experience. And uh, the second thing is that your time abroad actually earns you um, experience and credentials and confidence, mm-hmm. and then the opportunity to move into leadership in, in this field. Is that true? Yes, uh, very well said. I might have to borrow that from you. <laughs> <laughs> it does. And, you know, at this time when I realized that I, you know, I'm a global soul, which is what I call it now, I didn't really have that little phrase figured out at the time. It was more of an internal feeling, a confidence that did develop. Um, But I realized when we repatriated from Tokyo the first time, we were moving to a place that I did not enjoy living in the first time around. But I said to myself, this is a choice. I'm not going to be miserable when I go back. And at that point, I really actively started developing what I refer to as an international mindset so that I can live a global life wherever I am, including back in my passport country. Um, but I think a lot of this experience also made me realize that, you know, there is um, reverse culture shock is real. I think a lot of us expect it when we move abroad. We don't necessarily expect it in the same way when we re- return home. And when I went through it as a student, again, because I was only gone for a few months, it was a bit more mild, so to speak, but I learned from it. And so when I moved back as an adult with, you know, first just with my husband and then with my daughter, like I knew what it was. I knew what I was experiencing and that I could survive. And I think I was able to, as I repatriated more and more times, like really shorten the impact of the reverse culture shock for myself. So, and I have some strategies on how that is. I think if you live well while you're overseas, it makes it easier to move back in some ways. I mean, yes, there's things that you miss from living overseas, but it doesn't mean that you can't create a life that fundamentally allows you to live the same lifestyle. Exactly. That's great. And she already answered my next question. I'm sure I'll find more to say about it. Yes. Yes. Well, (laughs) what about some of your strategies? What do you give us some, some uh, tips on the strategies that you use when you come back and you're repatriating? Sure. Well, you know, I I like to think of it as nurturing my international mindset. 
So really what I, I figured out for myself, because I think an international mindset can mean something different for every person. What I figured out for myself is that I really like new and interesting experiences. I sort of like knowing that there's things I don't know out there that I can explore for the first time. So, you know, it's the unique experiences, the thrill of the unknown, and like being around interesting people. And I, those are things that I came up with for me. I think that it's important that we all develop our own definition of international mindset and how to nurture it. Um, but really what I look for now is like, I'm constantly scanning my environment for new and interesting things to do, be it a restaurant, be it an activity, be it an opportunity to meet people I've never met before. And I'm fortunate because I am in a large city that offers a lot of this, but I don't think that, you know, I've, I've talked to people that have said, oh, but I'm in this small town and there's not a lot going on. There are still ways to create excitement in your life, right? Like look at your hometown as a local tourist, like what's going on? What are things that you say, oh, I'll do that someday or, oh, that's probably not for me. I mean, maybe if you go and try it out, you'll prove yourself right. Maybe it, whatever that may be, a festival or a new restaurant isn't for you, but just the act of getting out there and trying it, I think is comforting. So for me, I've gotten very clear on my values, which is a little bit of a coachy word, but it's really what's important to me and what's important in my life. So one of the things that I do, that's one of my key strategies for nurturing my international mindset is my house. Like I have, if you walk around my house, I have items from different vacations and um, different places I've lived all over my house. And a lot of them either remind me of a specific event or a person, because a lot of the items were things that were, you know, sayonara presents when I was leaving Japan, or, or I bought it when I was out with friends. So it really means a lot to me. And I do find myself um, in my TV room, I, I, there's a lot of shelves, and I do, will find myself sort of just glancing around and then daydreaming. And I find it really comforting. I mean, some people may find that depressing. I find it comforting. I think that what that does, Linda, is it tells your story in a way that is not verbal. And that we need to find a way to tell our stories physically, emotionally, verbally, psychically, um, spiritually, in all kinds of ways. And so when someone walks into your house, they're walking into your story. That's really and true. I think that that is so important to make a note of that we each and, and really to value our stories. I like that. And, you know, that's a nice segue into the next one, for which for me is friends. You know, I really am, I, I obviously have friends of, well, convenience isn't really a nice word, but, you know, friends that I've met because I go to my daughter's school every day to pick her up or, you know, that I just have this like common um, location or interest with. But I also am very intentional in finding friends that have had international experiences. I have a lot of friends in Chicago who have lived overseas. I also just have friends that like to travel. But I find that there's a, a certain connection there and that when I have a lunch or a coffee or go for a walk with them, the conversation fills my soul. It really, I feel like these people get me and that I don't have to over-explain myself or they don't think I'm bizarre <laughs> because I've put myself out there and done different things. And, and so the people that I spend time with really help me nurture my international mindset um, food is a big one. I love to eat, but I also really enjoy trying to replicate things that I've had in other places at home. And a lot of times that involves a trip to a 
some sort of grocery store, ethnic grocery store that I've never been to before, or looking it up online and ordering it so that I can get the right ingredients. Um, that's really a, a big one for me and for my family. Um, I mentioned playing local tourist. I mean, that's a real um, opportunity to just bring new experiences and new information. And then it also gives you things to talk about with your other friends that are interested in international events. So, or, you know, international type um, opportunities. And I just find myself, sometimes my family goes and does these things together. Other times I use it as an excuse to reach out to somebody that I've met and I don't maybe know that well, but I remember they mentioned something of interest and I use these outings as a way to connect and spend time together and then travel. I mean, obviously that to varying degrees because there's budget issues a lot of times, but if it's a priority in your life, then maybe you take one really nice international vacation a year instead of taking smaller, a bunch of smaller ones. Um, so I, I definitely think those of us with an international mindset like to continue to get around and see different things. And then the last one is personal development. Like the better I've gotten to know myself, the more I know what I need and the more that I know how to give myself what I need. So those are probably my biggest tips, um, you know, in terms of nurturing. But one thing I wanted to also mention is that I've noticed that my global soul has evolved and that's been really important with identifying what it is that I need to feel fulfilled because when I was younger, it was all about collecting the passport stamps and being able to say, I've been to X number of countries. And that made me interesting, I think, but to a certain extent, I think that I was hiding behind it a little bit. Like, look, I've done this. Aren't I cool? If I'm really honest with myself, whereas now it's much more internal. Like when I go on a trip, I don't feel like I have to do every single thing that that place is known for. For me, it's more like going to a restaurant that has really good local food or just spending time walking around and wondering what it would be like to live in the place. Um, I just, I'm, it's a slower pace, perhaps is a nice way to put it. And that really fills me up. Like, I want to feel like I've relaxed and I've just been in a place, not feeling like I've ticked all the boxes. So does that speak to maturity? I mean, um, Sharon and I are definitely in our third chapter. You may be in your second and a half or something. <laughs> but we are in our third chapter as expats living overseas and um, that subject uh, has come up in, in other conversations already about um, where does age and maturity enter into the growth of a global soul? You know, that's a great question. And it's something that I've been thinking about a little bit differently, but related in that I've lived in Chicago now six years full-time because we moved here 11 years ago, but we were then bouncing in and out. And I've wondered as I go through life and I experience different things, I used to always say, well, I move so much and that's why things are the way they are. But now that I've been here six years, I sort of wonder how much of the craziness of life, so to speak, is just life. And I happen to be living overseas when I was going through these things and a lot of them I would have experienced even if I stayed here. So I find that sort of similar to the age thing. I think when we live this international life, it's hard to separate it because who knows who we would have. It's like the sliding door movie. Who knows who we would have been now if we wouldn't have had all those international experiences. But I think the age gives us the opportunity to slow down and to reflect on what we've experienced versus sort of projecting what we hope 
will experience and trying to fit it all in. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. I, I, I resonate with that. That's for sure. More time reflecting now at, at the age that I'm at. And, you know, I have a child who's going into high school. And so that makes me look at life differently as well, where I'm thinking, oh, she's not going to be home, quote unquote, forever anymore. And it's only four more years. And now at my age, I'm thinking, oh, what do I want that third chapter to be? Because in four years, I don't have the day-to-day responsibilities that I do now. So it's sort of interesting as I go into this phase where I feel like I really am in my chapter 2.5, because I'm again, looking forward to like, oh, I have a blank slate that I can create anything I want on. So you guys will have to give me some tips about that offline. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just about to, that was about to lead me into another question. I was wondering if the next question was, um, if you were talking to mature, let's say mature adults who've never launched their lives overseas. And what we're witnessing now is um, it's as if COVID implanted in our brain some great imagination that didn't exist before. And people are thinking about travel and they're doing it more and they're wondering about places and having adventures. So what would you say to the person who is, um, we've talked about repatriation, we've talked about coming back, but what would you say to the more mature person who's who's never launched? And what how would you um what would you tell them about growing an international mindset? Well, the first thing I would say is just do it because nothing has to be forever. And if you do it and you decide it's not for you, at least you don't won't have the regret of never trying. So I think that's important. I I really I've learned to look at every phase, every chapter of my life as an experiment, and it takes the pressure off for doing it perfectly because I think we don't know what we don't know. And if we're looking at it as, you know, it's an experiment, I'm going to see what works, what doesn't work, what I can learn from it, and then shift from there. I think it's, for me, it's been very freeing. Yeah, excellent. in, In terms of the international mindset for people at that phase of life, I think you can build it as you go. I think getting in touch with your values, what's really important to you as a person or as a couple, if you're traveling or moving overseas with a a partner, I think knowing that upfront can make the transition, any transition much easier because then you're speaking the same language and you're using the same filter to make decisions through. Yes, definitely. And tell us why values are important. You know, I think that one of the things about being in the third chapter, and I think Sharon and I have had this conversation is our values have changed, morphed, grown, um, maybe simplified or streamlined. I mean, for me, I'm looking for much more simplified, streamlined life. So why would I start a podcast? (laughs) I asked myself, but um, I am excited about this because it's something that's kind of leading me forward. So one of my values is to always constantly be learning and growing. So talk to me about why values are important, please. I think being clear on your values makes life easier, no matter what phase of life you're in, honestly, at the times that I've struggled the most in my life, and now this is me saying it in my 50s, are times when my values were not aligned with my actions. 
mm-hmm. when I look back on it. Cause I think when I was younger, I shopped for values. Like I'm going to say I value family and then I'm going to go and I'm going to work 60, 80 hours a week. Well, that doesn't work. You, I mean, what you think you should value and what you do value are two different things. And you can really get a handle on what you value by looking at how you spend your time and your attention and your resources. So some of us take a look at our values and we maybe realize that we aren't living the values that we really want to. And then that's when you need to make the shift. My life has gotten so much more simple since I've gotten clear on what's important to me. Because I think that's really what values come down to. So do you have a value building exercise that you would recommend for people to start this process? I do have one that I use with clients and it's one that I've sort of created from different resources. I think um, Dare to Lead, Brene Brown has a really nice list of value words and some really nice clear instructions that I find very simple, like very straightforward Um, What I like to tell people about values, it's great to go through an exercise, but then sit with it for a little while, put whatever you come up with somewhere where you can see it every day, maybe your bathroom mirror, and then just be aware, remind yourself of your values as you go through your life, but then also observe, do they feel right? Because I think it's sort of an iterative process, especially in the beginning. But I think if you Google the, um, you know, turning around there to lead values, then you can a, a really good starting point. And we can also add this to the show notes. Oh, great. I can forward you what I, what I use if you'd like. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Linda, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Where um, can people find you, find out more about you? Well, my website is theexpatpartnercoach.com. And actually on my website, if you sign up for my newsletter, there's a uh, freebie about how to live well abroad that helps you repatriate more smoothly. So you can download that. Um, And also I'm on on Instagram as the expat partner coach. That's great. That's great. And what is your one call to action that you would give uh, people today regarding the whole experience of the international lifestyle? I would say look at every chapter as an experiment and just go for it because nothing has to be forever. And you you might find out something about yourself that you can carry through the rest of your life that's going to make a big difference. So go for it. That's a great message to leave our listeners with today. And um, if our listeners would like to find um, Linda, we know where to find her now. And as for Nomadic Diaries, it's been our pleasure to bring you this show today. Um, My name is Doreen Cumberford and my partner is Sharon Fields. And right now you can find us on a Facebook page, which is just simply Nomadic Diaries podcast. Thank you for tuning in today and we look forward to being in touch soon. Bye-bye. Bye.